Hello everyone and welcome back to Technically Inappropriate. This week, the boys dig into internet providers and how plausible it is to serve desolate locations. Hold on. Desolate locations. You know, we are pulling out the big fancy words this week and I am frankly living for it. I see you, I see you, okay. Before they get there though, the single brain cell that they all seem to share somehow gets lost and they end up talking about large vehicles, their maintenance, and practicality. And here I thought my ADHD was bad. So strap on in and enjoy this week's chaotic installment while I go hunt down that brain cell because I'm fairly certain it's still lost. Let's get started. Tony, how's your week been? It doesn't feel like we've actually only spent seven days apart. Like the last time we we, we recorded quick because we got behind and then we did Tuesday and now it actually has been seven days. And I was thinking about it yesterday and it doesn't feel like it's been seven days. It feels like we just did this thing. So what's up, I, Tony? I, I, I like to measure our time apart in ice ages. <laughs> so... I I think a lot of people with global warming probably global warming problems would say the same thing. Yeah, well, they can shove it up their ass. Um, no, How I you doing? Good. It's been a, a good week. Uh, I thought we had a good recording last time. I'm glad that our I, I listened to it, and I'm glad that our uh, intrepid intro and extra uh, person is uh, alive. Is alive and well. Um, <laughs> I did have the, when, when Russ well was somewhere. talking about the microphone and the deathbed. Yeah, I did have visions of that. You know, I, I've never watched the movie, but the the movie where the guy is tied to the bed and the woman's looking after him. Oh, uh, misery, misery. You know, yeah. I did have. I've seen sh- cuts of that and memes <laughs> and that. I sort of had that. In mind, that's what, you know somewhere in the back of, of think, Rob's house. Why? Why is every time bed. I work with any kind of talent in any way, you're immediately like buried in the woods, tied to a bed? Like, I, Rob, can I just hire talent and be okay? Rob, you're the one with the cabin, the creepy cabin in the woods. Okay, well, so, uh, technically, like... te- technically, I'm the one with the oh, creepy cabin okay. in the woods. I'm just blamed for it. I'm just right. not. I'm not putting a little hobbling past either of you two. So. Uh, little hobbling sometimes, i mean i can't get i can't let her get too far sometimes you just got to storm where you keep them <laughs> <laughs> but that, no it's been a, it, it's been a good week i have uh, you know I, I don't know if i achieved anything i did work um you know it's i got paid uh, i drank victory is yours man. I, I ate food drank beer overall declare victory sort of thing on that wait you don't drink you haven't drink beer in a long time right You've well been... no i've been drinking cider I'm, yeah I'm actually oh, okay in. i'm actually in on the and if you get this you should try it out um angry orchard does mm. a peach mango cider okay now and i don't mm-hmm. know if they make the cider any differently but um, well, they had peach it, and they had mango. the mango the, no no i mean the from the the, the gas the gassing of it because uh-huh. it's not it the 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 foam you get and the feeling of the the bubbles it's very much like it, it feels very much like a guinness or like a, a a bass or a harp you know with the widget in the can and everything but there isn't a widget in the can it's just straight uh, up normal just beer. cider yeah yeah, yeah but, it, but it has a very fine uh bubble is it an aluminum 
Yeah, it's just like it's just okay. like a normal can. It's like you know what you'd get a Rainier in, right? Gotcha. Or uh, like <laughs> some Texas shit lob that you would get down there. <laughs> I would go with the Lone uh, Star or Shenandoah. There we go. <laughs> there we go. I'll, um, I'll take a look at that then. That and I must admit, I, I I drank an absolute arseload of beer when I was in Texas because Texas, much like Australia, big on the lagers, yeah, like that, yeah, crisp beer. Hot weather, perfect. Yeah. I love being in Texas. I, so just in case the Texas viewers have decided to try and ring that guy <laughs> in New Zealand and tell him to <laughs> cut off as well. I, I got a friend who one of his job description is he is a spiritual advisor. And uh, yes, he he says the true test of a, of a brewery's quality is in a lager because mm. you can't hide behind anything. True. I, I mean, yeah. I, might, I might live with that. Yeah. Well, like Rob it. drinks... But Rob vacillates between buckets of tar and, <laughs> you know, a, a beer that has so much hops in it, you could beat a whale to death with it. <laughs> yeah. um, Japanese would be happy. It's, it's, it's being protested by Greenpeace right now. <laughs> <laughs> Greenpeace does not approve us. That probably would get him more sales. For those of us uh, who don't have the video, which would be everyone listening, Sorry, uh, Russ has just run away to have a, a for good purpose. A, I'm sure in a private oh, yeah. moment. Just now myself. back on the video feed. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's lagers are crisp. They've got to be crisp. They've got to be clean. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you can't hide behind the cloudiness. You can't hide behind the hops and the the wheat or the malt flavor of the darker beers yeah you know mm -hmm. um lagers were uh, big in australia so you know the your twoies your rashes you know the old silver bullet they used to call it mm -hmm. the can with silver um they used to actually come in a little can that was shaped like a uh, a barrel of beer um which I'm sure made it interesting for them to package. They got rid of that in some cost yeah. saving thing, but it, it took a lot of the character away from it. Uh, the tagline was "Reshes refreshes." It reminds me of my. I remember when I was a senior in college. If I was feeling fancy on a Friday night, I would get one of those Foster's oil cans. <laughs> I think I was hot shit. I, in my company, I just I actually just hired an Australian named Tony. Who is our head of security? And he. So you didn't learn. Well, no, no, I did not learn. <laughs> yes, that's true. But what I've been told by multiple Tonys from Australia now is Foster's is not fucking Australian beer. <laughs> well, not, not anymore. Foster's actually used. Foster's used to be a, a big Australian brand back in you know, 70s, in the 80s? 60s, 50s. Yeah, 60s, that's what he said. 70s. It was like 70s. Yeah. yeah. And, and you could uh, see from, you know, you would go so, to the. To pubs and they would have fosters on tap and everything and then you know just for how things did it sort of rolled off and it it, it stopped getting you know bought and was sold in smaller and smaller uh places and um the company that made foster i forget who it was originally but they were bought carlton united and they were bought out by the new zealand um a brewing conglomerate, uh, Lion Nathan, I think. And, or maybe it was vice versa, I don't know. But they came up in the the 80, late 80s and 90s. What they said was, 
you know, they, they jumped on the back of the whole Hollywood Australian thing, you know, with Crocodile oh, Paul Dundee Hogan, and Crocodile Paul Hogan and yeah, all that oh, that's, that's not a beer. And <laughs> the smart thing that they did was they brewed Fosters in the geographic locations where they sold it around the world. They took the basic recipe and tweaked it for the local taste. So, yeah. you know, the Fosters you would drink in the U.S. wasn't the same as the Fosters you would drink in Germany. It wasn't the same as the Fosters you'd drink in Russia. And uh, Sounds like Sapporo, which is true. You know. That's true for a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah because they weren't, they weren't trying to do Guinness, which yeah. is everything's made in St. James Gate, you know, mm. and it's shipped everywhere in the world. This was like, no, we want to get as much of your money as is humanly possible. And so we'll make it uh, be attractive to you. Um, okay. Well, but this yeah. is reassuring. I thought you were headed, I thought y'all were headed towards telling me that Foster's is the Outback Steakhouse of beers. It, it is, in fact, it does have historical Australian roots. If not yeah. just a. Yeah, unlike Outback. Yeah, yes. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I played, I, I played rugby for Manly, which is uh, one of the, the great clubs in, uh, uh, in Australian Sydney. I've, I've been to Manly. Oh, take yeah. the ferry there. And we made yeah. lots of jokes on the way there. Beautiful uh, <laughs> location. It's a fantastic uh, place, the Stein uh, bar and everything. You know. but, mm-hmm. I, but they were sponsored when I played for them by uh, Carlton United Breweries. And they held a sponsor's day after the games once. And I remember getting changed and I'm putting on my you know shirt and tie and sports coat. And the club president came over to me and he said, Tony, I know your view of Foster's. You're going to go into that tent and they're going to give you a can of Foster's and you're going to say thank you. And you're going to drink it and you're going to be happy with it. And I went, yeah, yeah. Sir, yes, sir. (laughs) You felt felt seen at that moment. Everyone understood the position. We were just simply making the sponsors happy. I'm not a class trader by drinking it. You know, <laughs> That's awesome. Well, as much as time's been on beer, Russ, how's your week been? It's been a good week. Yeah, we dug out from the snow. Wait, there was- Oh something. yeah, you're-, you're We dug out, out your... from the ice, the ice melted. <laughs> how long did it stick around? Actually, how oh, long did it actually stick around? Not. I mean, it was like sixty degrees the next day. It was all gone. So <laughs> the day after well, the panic podcast, you yeah, were exactly. No, oh, no, that's not Russ true. Like, says, kid was Russ out says of it was only a day or two, but he hasn't been outside in three weeks. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. <laughs> I mean, so I keep this healthy the green desert. glow. So, <laughs> I'll tell you what. So the desert. Uh, one of the uh, so the, this crew that I was out there in the desert with that were doing this run. Right. As a, as a thank you for driving them out there, they uh, sent a guy over uh, this weekend to detail my car. You know, my the Big Bertha, Rob. Yeah, the Sequoia. The, the big ass Sequoia with the <laughs> this with poor the guy. <laughs> it's the biggest. Like this thing is the biggest vehicle on, on the planet. It, it it takes spotted owls for fuel. <laughs> it really and does. It's it's obnoxious. Mixes was, them with I dinosaurs from, for the proper. My dad, so I didn't go out and buy this gas guzzler. It just it was gifted to me. Uh, but it's lovely. But it, you know, but I take scouts around in it. It's gotten you know in the last fifteen years, it's gotten pretty grody. 
But this poor guy that came to detail it did not. I don't think he knew what he was getting into. <laughs> and he, he was there for four and a half hours. Oh, my goodness. But, but the car is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've driven this thing, Tony, uh, for, for Russ's birthday. By the way, I've, I, we'll talk about this later, but I got all, I, I'll get your footage. I want to, I want to go through it, but I drove it to and back. It was funny. I was originally not supposed to drive this thing. It was supposed to be one of his other friends and no one, everyone was scared to drive it out of his driveway. <laughs> Russ's driveway is built in this way. Like we all got out there. I'm like, all right, cool. You're driving, right? Like, yep. But I'm not taking it out of this driveway. And I'm like, what do you mean to take it out of this driveway? Like, this is probably the this is the first part this of the, the trip. <laughs> and like, See, this this is where you need technology in your vehicle. You know, the yeah. the 360 camera, the it's reversing got a backup camera. camera. I mean, I don't know. They were panicked as shit. So I, Well, this is actually this is the this is the same reason I like to put lots of uh, like red pepper flakes on my pizza. <laughs> Because then nobody will mess with it, right? They're not exactly. gonna like, nobody else wants to eat it. So my car is so big that no one in my house wants to drive it. Everyone's scared of it. Rob's attesting that even friends of mine that need to run a bus to, you know, a thing, to an event, yeah. are afraid to drive it because it's too big. Yeah. Which means so, so hum- nobody's hum- messing hum- with my stuff. It's my it's mine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now so <laughs> we're, we're supposed to back out of the driveway. So I'm like and everyone's like, nope, not doing it. Won't won't yeah. touch this thing. And I'm like, all right, so it's on me. And I'm like, I'm the only one that owns a vehicle bigger than Russ, which is that fucking <laughs> transit van I own. So I'm like, all right, I'll back it out. And then we got yeah. it out there and everyone just piles in the car. And I'm like, I'm still in the driver's seat. I'm like, yeah. well, I guess I'm fucking driving. Isn't it just on a, a Land Cruiser platform now? I don't is know. That, I don't think. Yeah, no, yeah, maybe it either is or it's about the same dimensions. It's big. But the thing is, right. and I want to, I do want to clarify the record, Tony. This is not an emasculating vehicle to stand next to, even though it's gigantic. Mm-mm. It's more like the really, really big lady in the Walmart who's yeah. kind of going, just kind of like taking up the aisle, and you can't get around her, and you know, uh, you know. But uh, uh, you know. under the advice of my legal counsel, based on last episode, I'm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tony, Tony, take a step back this week. Sorry, okay. but no, no, you're all good. But no, but but in it's, a way, Russ is not wrong because this thing you stand, you look at it, and it doesn't look big. You stand next to it, you're not sure, but then you get in, and you're like, okay, this is okay sized. <laughs> it's did, did we have just just to try a tangent here now and you guys tell me whether you want to go down this path or not oh Russ, give me the signal he's a probably the, the podcast most is called <laughs> technically inappropriate we're 20 minutes in and we're spoken about beer and trucks no we're 15 minutes in technically i'm, I'm cutting the rest of that out but right. <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering the same thing Tony, but well no okay. like, so this we're at, topic, i'm fine with it but whatever the topic we want for today was supposed to be starlink well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. And apparently what we're talking about is Russ's Sequoia that in and of itself can act as a ground station. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's so got its own zip code. Well, I'll finish my story. We'll, we'll roll into this. And yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to skip my whatever, uh, like what I did this week, because frankly, I was mostly editing. But uh, <laughs> but for the most part, so I drove the thing all the way there. The one thing I'll say about Russ's like Sequoia, like from zero to 10 miles an hour, 
boom. Oh, and then yeah. everything between there and 60 is pack a lunch, like eat two dinosaurs, two spotted owls, and what's, spit it out the bag. Yeah. It's, what's the hurry? Yeah. But to get <laughs> so, to 10 miles an hour, does it faster than a, like mm-hmm. a Tesla plaid, man. I swear to God. I, 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 I swear, my F-150 does 0 to 60 in something like 7 seconds. Yeah. It is it is ridiculously quick yeah. for something that weighs like 5,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, or how, I don't yeah. I really know how well, much. Well, you're probably less than mine. My, to, if we're being serious about it, my my we have the same engine. The Transit? And, yeah, the Transit. It's a 3-ton vehicle. Yeah. Like straight up with all the seats in it. And then the Sequoia... <laughs> Uh, my transit van will race a Sequoia and beat it to the quarter mile, like by half. I swear to God that no. it gets to ten miles an hour quick, forever to get to sixty. It's literally like you're. Yeah, my dad has a um, has a uh, the V eight diesel uh, mm. Land Cruiser. Uh, oh right, thing, you can get that outside the United States. That thing isn't particularly quick per se, but. Once you get it up to speed, it has zero problems holding it, whether you're heading up a vertical <laughs> slope or, or to, you know, whatever. It, the, that engine is just fantastic, you know, in terms of the power that it puts out, the torque. And it's probably got like 3,000 newton meters of torque or something ridiculous, you know. I can go on Land Cruisers I, forever. Oh, we, okay, let's let's get into the episode. I have an overwhelming urge to scratch my balls right now. So much beer and truck conversation. Got a, you also got to grunt while you do it. Oh, and yeah. Then, yeah big absolutely. spread front. All right. That's that's why I have the lifting desk, so that I can raise it <laughs> while we're talking and get a good, solid hand. Just kind of like, yeah, shake a little I bit. Guess the old Christmas <laughs> handshake, you know, where you get a handful of nuts. Nuts and mistletoe. So when it's used offensively, that's referred to as a squirrel grip. (laughs) (laughs) We've got so much merch just based off what fucking shit Tony says. I I wanna see the I wanna see the mangy yak plush toy. (laughs) Oh man, I just I just locked up for a second. All right, so all right. This week's episode. Before we go any further, by the way, I love this this diatribe. I just figure we should maybe make something out of this. Otherwise, we'll go from there. But not I just startling. Rob's looking at his phone. He sent us Russ one word and said we talk about this. Yeah. No, no, I, know, I, I yeah. made, he's got and, notes. I got notes. He, I got notes. He's and got a bunch of notes. I feel like I, it's like I'm in middle school and I walk into history and there's a test. No pop idea. quiz bitches no, no. Sure. <laughs> pop quiz so yeah sorry for using my well, phone it's America, so all you have to do is just drop the u from all the words and you'll be fine exactly Got so it. sorry for you using phone this week but i uh i just didn't have a chance to like i'm i have family in town and they're using the room so a lot of my normal equipment here i pulled it out and it's in the kitchen but so anyway this week's episode um we are talking about the U.S. infrastructure, um, what we can do to literally get internet better in more places. Starlink has been one of those ones that has been kind of popping up a lot. But in general, I just want to talk about, like, how can I live in the middle of fucking nowhere with good internet service? Because that's all I care about. And then, like, how do we get in a good spot with with these things? Like, 
like HughesNet was a thing for a while. You got decent download, but shit upload. Suddenly Starlink's come along. It's getting better and better. Um, but like, like I, I, my my goal in life is to get away from everything and all things and just live in the middle of the United States where there's nothing, and but still be able to do stuff like this and like connect when I want to. But when I turn it off, they ain't shit for miles, boys. How do we go with now, this? Russ, aren't you a, a, a Starlink all the time user? <laughs> oh, wait, being here in Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I, I just seem to remember, you know, and this is probably wrong, of us having a conversation and somebody, I, I could have sworn it was you saying mm-hmm. that you. What is your Starlink. internet, actually? Because it's not Starlink, Russ, but what are you on? Uh, it's AT&T. It's Uverse. Oh, you're on Uverse. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you, that, Uverse isn't a thing in, in my area. Like, Comcast or whatever runs in Northwest. Yeah, I forget. They've rebranded and changed it for whatever it is. It's yeah. It's AT&T. Yeah, I'm on Comcast Business, and then and, Tony's... And, and I'm just on uh, regular everyday Comcast. So, ex fuckity because <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. No, but I've never had Starlink or been any of that stuff, Tony. I don't know where that's coming from. So, uh, I have a I, I have a Starlink terminal. I pay for Starlink mm-hmm. to use at the cabin. Okay. And, um, or at least I, I, I'm paying for it because... Um, we wanted to test it out at the cabin and because the, the copper out there was laid down sometime just after Alexander invaded, uh, you know, Iran <laughs> or Persia. and, uh, the DSL, I can get a cracking speed of 50 K 50 kilobits, uh, on DSL. And then my son comes in and takes it all. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and the, what the the cellular networks are, are not very good you can barely get at&t in the the place and and that uh so you can't get any real throughput on it so i signed up for starlink um to try it out and and i have to say that uh the the experience has been you know it's been very very good given the constraints of the place where the cabin is so um the the problem with the cabin is that it's all in old growth forest so it's all 200 tall 200 foot tall uh pine trees so you've got a small area that's cut out where the cabin is put in and then you've got 200 foot tall pine trees around it so it's hard to get a good view an unobstructed view of the sky per se skyline yeah um mm-hmm. and, and so i knew that going in right so i'm not blaming starlink for this at all i knew that going in what i was hoping was that the if you think about the promise of starlink the small satellites forming constellations as soon as you have a a complete shell you should always have a satellite more or less directly above you all the time and so that angle of you know deflection or, or declination or whatever you need shouldn't be as big a requirement as uh, you, you would think it would be uh, with a full shell. But I know they're building it out. So what my experience has been so far is that you get awesome. I get about 50 to 60 megabit download and then some amount of megabits up I I don't know what it is, 
But the the trouble with it is, is about every 12 seconds you have a, or every minute you have 12 seconds worth of dropout. Oh, hmm. that's and, terrible. And, well, yes, if you were expecting to have a chatty protocol talking back and forwards across a link, having 12 seconds of dead time would be bad. But if you're doing buffered protocol, like you're watching a movie or you're downloading something, you have 50 meg, 50 meg, 50 meg, nothing. 12 seconds later, you get 50 meg again. It, does, it, it, it doesn't impact it because the buffering system in the those protocols understands that and will fill up that the 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 totality of the buffer to take care of that 12 second gap so uh it's really good for working out there when i have to do things like if i'm out there and i need to pull down an iso or you know grab a vm and pull a couple of gigabytes of bits to the cabin perfect want to do a team well teams is a shitty electron app uh, but if you want to do yeah, once again i've said this before i'll say it again if javascript was the answer then the question was bloody stupid <laughs> and um you know but if you want to do that chatty back and forwards video call thing conferencing type stuff you can't yeah because everything's just going to lock up for 12 <laughs> seconds or a second here and two seconds there and uh, and so on but uh I'm really bullish on uh, Starlink. I think once they get those shells dropped in and they get, you know, and they're, they're talking something like 40,000 satellites required to do that. You know, there's some, I don't know the exact number, but it's some ridiculously large number of satellites. Well, this is going to be one of my letter questions, actually, but I'll leave it until um, then. I think, they'll, I think they'll be fantastic. You know, I think they'll really upset the, uh, especially for rural, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You're never going to beat, you know, copper, good quality copper in the ground, good quality fiber in the ground to the house. You know, I'm here, I'm here on some shitty hybrid fiber coax thing that uh, Comcast offers. But if I could get fiber to the house, absolutely would. Mm -hmm. You're not going to beat that. You're just simply not through any RF technology. But, you know, if you were outside of that area, mm -hmm. you know, It'll be fantastic. I, I'm real. And then there's entire um, market segments that can be changed. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever taken a cruise, but you know when you take a cruise and you buy the, the internet package, you know you, you get like two megabits, you know, and that's 150 dollars or something. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's um, I once shipped. I actually shipped a DVD image from the balcony of a cruise ship. Of course you have. When I was on my honeymoon, because we shipped the Visual Studio product, and I was responsible for one of the DVD images in the Visual Studio product, and I had to rebuild it to ship it, so I did the whole thing over uh, cruise ship internet. This is me shaking my head. Oh, it was... It, there was... The, Sounds like true love. The bill was enormous, and it was all billed on the corporate Amex, so I didn't particularly care. You know? <laughs> but you know, you think about it. Once you can turn a cruise ship in the Pacific into something the same as a house out near Spokane or in 
the middle of the panhandle in Texas or whatever. Spokane's well, actually a city. They're, they have their own copper and internet. No, but, <laughs> but I know what, what you're what saying. I'm saying. Well, if you've ever been to Eastern Washington, it is not the world's most highly populated. Sorry, yeah, Eastern Washington. Not the world's no, most yeah, Eastern Pop. Highly populated place. No one right? thinks of Eastern Washington as Washington. Yo, it's kind of crazy. And, and yeah. so, like, you know, if you can it's turn the to middle Texas. of the Pacific into something like that, mm-hmm. all that dynamic changes. And I think Starlink has an incredible uh, opportunity to do that. I should take that back. It feels more like Arizona space. Like the the one thing, like Western versus from Washington, is like you go over the the mountains and you come on the other side, and it's like suddenly it feels very desert like. It's crazy. It's arid. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that's interesting. I, I keep getting stuck in this mental problem. I've been here twenty five years, right? Yeah. I still get stuck because where I grew up to the east was the Pacific Ocean. Right. So the back of buggery was to the west of you. And <laughs> here in Washington, to the west is the ocean. And the back of buggery is the east of me. And so whenever I have to talk about, you know, places far west away, the east. They, they, I'm like, wait, is it east? Is it west? The hell? North, so south, east, you're west. Always, you know you're always I gotta visualize the map. Yeah. <laughs> Truth, right? Oh man, so many questions there. Uh, Russ, thoughts for? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is a step. It's not like you haven't had internet access in rural areas before, right? And there's mm-hmm. other ways to do this. It's just you know, the, the, clearly the technology is improving. But I, I'm all for anything that uh, makes this type of access more ubiquitous because I feel like access to information is more and more a utility like anything else right so you may live in an area where it's unrealistic to expect a sewage system or electricity you know so you got to dig a well or put in a septic tank or run right. some solar panels you got to have to make some adjustments because those utilities are simply not available based on how remote your location is but in as much as it's possible and starlink seems to be something that's making it possible if you can make these utilities uh, more accessible, you know, I, I think we're all the better for it. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so let me, let me dig into a second piece in this because, and the, and I'll, I'll try and I've, I've got kind of a narrative I'm wrapping around, which is uh, what I want to kind of walk us through, but like, so Starlink's there, we've kind of hit these things. We, we, we know that having internet access is almost becoming a basic, you know, necessity in america but like google fiber has been around for a bit and it's still punching up it's not all the way there yet and like when and one of and i'm almost glad tony said it because that's one of the things i was going to say is like you look at the seattle backbone and what's going on within the northwest and maybe not as much in your area russ but seattle's a absolute dumpster fire you have Comcast, which is maybe the best, and that's terrible to say. CenturyLink is a joke. They've got no real fiber game plan. Um, and then now you've got Google, who's in the Washington area, but like I kind of live on the south side of things. I can't get it. I'm running Comcast business. Like we can't hit this here. Like, what do we do with actual like real fiber and and all these things that we need to go well, do? The, the, What's the, the likelihood you're going to get fiber out to? Say the cabin. Well, low, well, actually, right? Because no, I think no, in the I, city. I, I, actually, yes, sorry. That's, that's a real, that's a surprisingly insightful question, Russ. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I get I one. I get one. <laughs> one for and the series. We'll, and now we'll wait for another month. That's right. Um, because the, the, the problem is not the technology. Mm-hmm. The problem is the cost of deployment. Mm-hmm. So there's a dirt road that services the cabin. Right. And I love to run way it. back in the dark mists of time, you know, the US government paid AT&T an imperial arseload of money, not a metric arseload, an imperial arseload. It's like one third money. bigger. So, so real, real numbers is what you're saying. To, exactly. Push <laughs> copper everywhere around the United States. And so they sent some poor busted ass crew out through that area with a trenching machine and they laid copper there. Well, that was the last time that copper has ever been serviced. Right. right? Yeah. So I was talking to the lineman because we had a problem. Uh, we had some... Uh, Still do. So we, we did some updates to the water system at the cabin. Right. And the, the guys just elected that, oh, this, uh, this cable thing that we've just torn out of the ground, that can't be important. So they just sort of left the ends on either side of the road. <laughs> and uh, I had the lineman come out and, you know, I was chatting to him about it. And what he was telling me was the company that owns the copper now, it's not AT&T anymore. You know, it this subsidizes that, right? Well, it went from AT&T and then they split AT&T up, you know, with the whole monopoly blow-up thing, and then it became Northwestern Bell Bell or something. Yeah. And then that sold and broke up to become Quest. So Quest was the last big company that owned it. And then they sold it to a small regional group out of Roslyn in uh, Washington State. Now, Roslyn's in the middle of bloody nowhere, so it sort of makes sense. Um, And they they handled the thing. And he, he was saying that no, no, they, they know they have to replace that copper. The copper has so... Because the the state or the county will send snowplows down the um, the road once every season sort of thing. You know, when you get enough snow that they're like, okay, you know, we need to do it to make our people feel better. Mm. Not the people that live there. No, no, our people that have to go in case Deal with fire this or something, right? Dumpster fire. They'll send a snowplow down, and those snowplow drivers, uh, you know, they're the they're sharp tools. They're highly educated and trained, and so they will take the pedestals that are on the side of the road, uh-huh. pick them up in the blade of the snowplow, drag them along the ground for you know a hundred odd yards or so, and then throw them off once it gets too heavy on the snowplow, and then keep going. You know. Um, because clearly keeping the snowplow on the road would be just far too hard. <laughs> and, um, you know, so the poor lineman, he has to come out and join that copper back up again. He, you know, there's probably 400 dB a loss in that copper. <laughs> just in the joints. <laughs> yeah, because of all the joints in it. Yeah. And so he said, like, you know, our plan is to because the biggest cost to us is actually getting a crew of people there digging the trench putting the thing in covering it all up that's the biggest cost so the next time we do this we're just going to lay fiber we're not even going to bother with copper Uh, right because it doesn't make any sense for us to put 
because they can lay fiber and not have those little poles every, you know, however. Oh, you can go way farther fiber, right? right? Mm. Yeah. And so they can just lay fiber, take the fiber drops into the the various properties that they sell, mm-hmm. they, they service, sorry. And then there's nothing for those snowplow drivers to hit as they drive past. But the biggest cost is the people and the time and the effort to trench the fiber. And that's the same thing that happened in happened in Seattle and in every big city. The biggest cost is getting the, you know, digging up the street, paying the men to do it, barricading everything off, getting the permits from the government, blah, 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 putting whatever it is in the ground, covering it up, retiring it, and so on. So when I lived on Mercer Island, so Mercer Island is a, a very rich island in, uh, in in Seattle. Yeah. If you had a good arm from my condo, you could throw a baseball into the the CenturyLink um, hub, the, the, the CLEC, I think they call it. I don't know what CLEC, C-L-E-C. I don't know, consumer-located electronic, you know, communic- or something, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right, but you could throw a baseball and hit it. If you took a time domain reflectometry meet, uh, reading, and I know this because the guy did it while he was in my place, from my place to that ceiling, which is where my DSL came from, it was 6,500 feet. That's so that nothing. piece of copper ran like a mile and a bit up the, the island and back again. Right. Just because of the build out. You would never do it. That way, if you actually had to redo the copper today, I'd be three hundred. That my condo would be three hundred feet from the from the CLEC, but instead, it's like, it's six thousand. That's the problem with like the U.S. This is why all of these countries in Africa and Southeast Asia, you know, and the subcontinent like India and Pakistan. That, have just dodged the entirety of deployed network and gone mobile. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. you know, they, they don't have to uh, absorb the cost of deploying shit in the ground anymore. They can just put a tower, one tower, serve a million people sort of thing. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's a lot the of what... Starlink approach yeah. Yeah. will help. And that's one of the things I'll say about India is uh, I worked for a company that had to deal with CDN work in, in, in that area. And, and it always been a nightmare because the backbones were so thin that we had to completely design how they, the in content delivery network. So it's a cache that sits on the end of this wire that then goes off on a leaf. Right. So the half the game plan in, in when you look at India was just how we could, do a lot more with a lot less and stuff like that. Um, Russ, how's your world work over there? Like, have you seen this? Like, what, what kind of noise have you heard in your space? Like, you're kind of in a big, mm-hmm. one of the second biggest state in the United States. Like, what do you know? Well, I guess my perspective may be more shaped by the kind of work that I'm doing professionally yeah. right now, which is around, you know, food manufacturing and risk. Mm-hmm. And where I can see something like Starlink and more ubiquitous connectivity becoming really advantageous uh, is in dealing with these rural areas, especially in developing countries where, um, you know, you need to be able to audit your farmers 
you need to be able to audit them to make sure that they're meeting their, you know, whatever uh, claims they're making. They're organic. They're non-GMO. They're not using child labor. They're sustain using sustainable practice. What all these different certifications GMO child labor require? They require some professional from an ag extension or you know a certifying body to go. Actually, someone's got to go talk to these farmers, right? And they've got to capture data. And the more of that data that we can capture in the field directly with that farmer, the better we are, right? But there's all kinds of like, uh, there's all kinds of solutions in this industry that are basically working around the lack of connectivity Mm -hmm. in those, you know, very rural places where if you had a global infrastructure of something like Starlink, where, you know, you knew you had access no matter where you were, or consistent access, no matter where you were. There's a lot that we could be doing in terms of data capture, uh, and you know, just it, again, my the thing I'm interested in these days is around, you know, sustainability risk and regulatory compliance uh, risk and things like that. But the, the the earlier we can capture that kind of information, the better. But the problem is we don't really capture that information at the farm. We capture that information at the vendor who's processing what comes from the farm because you can't get. There's no, there's no consistent connectivity in the field. Well, right? while we're on this, let's book this bear for a second. How much loss of um, visibility or mm-hmm. do you lose between the farmer from the vendor? I don't think we know. Okay. I think we know there's, there is a loss of, of you know, of quality uh, mm-hmm. of data uh, every time it changes hands. Right. Uh, but I don't think that it's really, so you don't even think we've even touched what that I don't even could be? Know. Yeah, I mean, I could be. I'm talking out of my ass a little bit, bro. Well, so. I, well you might be, but I'm. You're talking. So as far, you're, as, you're far talking, as I know, I don't know. You, so, but, suddenly, your colon's very smart. I'm. I'm actually very interested in this because, like, <laughs> it's a, it's, well, you, as a kid, you play telephone, right? Like, mm-hmm. one side says one thing, and the other end says something that's completely mm-hmm. different, and like, yeah. When we start talking about things about security mm-hmm. and chaining things up, knowing well, what came he, out from the actual tractor to what sure. came out in the bottle. And it's not just about, uh, you know, it, it's it's not necessarily that that data loss is nefarious, right? It's not. No, I, no, no I'm not saying that. Although I, I'm I not do saying think that. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of room in there for food fraud and adulteration to happen between the producer, the farmer, and the, you know, you the know. manufacturer, but they uh, say white just, lies know, are just white lies. Right. But I mean, <laughs> well, like, even, even then, if you're a well-meaning, you know, auditor who's visiting these places, you're still, unless you're, you know, Wait, I got to call bullshit on that. There's no such thing as a well-meaning auditor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but, but the, the point I do want to get across in that is like one person, like just, the observation of one person versus mm-hmm. another. And if we get it from the source versus, mm-hmm. and suddenly we have this much stronger ecosystem of just networking. Do you break a lot of this down? Is this, this is. But uh, are we deviating from, you know, ubiquitous internet access through a vehicle like Starlink or some, not necessarily Starlink, but mm-hmm. like Starlink to, a ubiquitous networking environment that you know a 5g solution could provide maybe everything on Mm -hmm. your farm becomes a device that can network and talk back and forwards and you have Mm -hmm. 
a, a ton of data that you can then do analytics and analyze. Right. I what? I, I think yes that, that that would be nice, but the problem is I'm sorry I interrupted you, Rob. No, no, I, no. I, I'm 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 going to let you see I'll, if you get where I want to go. I'll run down. Let me yeah. let me exactly. let me see if I can make this makes what's going on in my head make sense for a second. Yeah, yeah. The pro the problem is the people who are building the applications and the solutions for you know capturing this type of data and oh listen if your farm in rural in the middle of the Amazon rainforest in Brazil suddenly has internet access well then all of a sudden you can do all kinds of neat stuff and we don't need a big sophisticated Starlink we can just do it with cellular networks that are already in place it's a lot cheaper mm -hmm. but the problem is the people who are building these applications are and I think you mentioned this a a, 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 a podcast or two ago Tony. The people who are building these applications are sitting next to the, uh, I think you use the phrase, a bee's dick from a tower. Yes. So they're building these applications with this uh, this, this idea that, oh yeah, everyone's going to have 500 down. And so let's just like I, capture everything mm, and make these like super chatty applications. If you're going, if you, I, I, but I like the idea that we take advantage of the cellular infrastructure and technology that's in place today to, you could have ubiquitous internet access tomorrow, but from a, product development perspective, we have to be thinking about, well, how do you actually write applications that are more suited to low bandwidth? High right. bandwidth? And, and that's always, that's always been the problem. You know, if you think about a, a sensor, you know, just say measuring the speed of a pump, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, it can, it can pump out, no pun intended. Uh, it can pump out data, <laughs> you know, on that speed, say every second, telling you that it's 600 RPM. 599, 601, 600, every second, right? Right. Do you need... Oh, um, oh no. We'll get it in the end, but Tony's, suddenly Tony's our network just blew brilliant. up. <laughs> wow, should, where'd Tony go? Should have gotten Starlink. Yeah, yeah Starlink. <laughs> there you are. There you are. I just, can, can you guys... Yeah, we're back. We're back. Yeah. All right, can you guys hear me? Yep. Can you hear us? Yes. Looks like you're going to be editing. Well, to, to, yeah, I will be editing. I, I always <laughs> edit with Tony because he doesn't live on a good network. This is actually my biggest problem in Seattle area. Like, Tony's on this weird fucking edge where it's terrible internet, but, like, he's he lives in the middle of a fucking city. But anyway, so the thing I want to say about what you said, Russ, until until Tony, you're on mute, actually, um, until <laughs> look at the software and hit that. <laughs> there you go. I live there you within go. a stone's throw of CenturyLink fiber. Yeah. You know, my arm would actually have to be only half as good as it was on Mercer Island to hit the CenturyLink fiber. What do you need to be Dirksen? Do you think they could actually be asked? laying fiber out this way no 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 it runs down a main street past me you know and actually it's not even really a main street it's like washington boulevard it's like a a two-lane road that winds along the side of lake washington they put fiber in there and the reason they put fiber in there is because they sponsor the seattle seahawks whose training facility is half a mile up the road mm -hmm. that place fiber my place nothing <laughs> you know i get you yeah, should have so uh, stuck with rugby. Yep. <laughs> no, so what I have is I have Comcast. And Comcast is, how would you put this? Atrocious. A steaming pile of fetid dingo's <laughs> kidneys 
that I hate with the passion of a thousand blazing suns. <laughs> Truth. So, um, All right. So two quick facts uh, or two things I want to bring up and we'll get into the last topic because for some reason, unlike last week, we we're wordy as fuck this week. Um, <laughs> so uh, first off, Russ, I want to I want to back up something very interesting in this. My my brother he works for one of the bigger airlines in the Northwest. And, mm-hmm. you know, all you need to know is they're stationed out of Washington and who it is. But, like, just dealing with baggage, weight, and everything, and the, the tools mm-hmm. he has to deal with, he's in a major hub, and bandwidth is insane to get. So he's had to yeah. make massive, like, uh, 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 you just had to harden it, I guess is the best way to put mm-hmm. it, around just the fact that, like, getting that kind of bandwidth to the, all the devices that beep every bag that comes in and waiting the mm-hmm. plane and making sure that it doesn't just you know, immediately take off, go over backwards and yeah. crash back into the airport. And it's like, and he's in a hub, right? And then Tony, yeah. whose bandwidth can't be bothered, it's like, it's very interesting. So... All these things in mind, we talk about Starlink, and I love the idea of Starlink, and I love the idea that what it could do for me to be in the middle of nowhere, what's that look like if it really takes a massive um, like uh, onboarding of people? Like, Is it going to be able to sustain? What do we do there? Well, let's, you always end up with that issue of like the, you know, the... What is happening here? We lost him again. <laughs> so, Tony needs to move Starlink immediately, but <laughs> now you're on mute. If you give me five files to edit for this, I'll kill you. <laughs> now he is gone. No. Now you're on mute. No, you're, Turn off you're mute. You're muted now. Can you hear me? Yep, you're mm-hmm. back. Yep. All right. Well, I, I can't hear you guys. So perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no. So so to to provide you some fodder for the networking discussion. Yeah. What I have, I have a problem here where, um, somewhere in the Comcast side of things, it just randomly starts blocking packets for certain protocols. And so I have a voice over IP phone. Podcast protocols. And and (laughs) at some point it will just start, like I will hear a person talking, but I will be unable to talk to them. And, you know, I I call them up and they're like, oh, we looked at our system and we can't see any problem. I say, of course you can't, you dickheads. (laughs) Because it's not your packets that are being blocked. It's my packets. (laughs) I know they're being blocked because I can tell you that this is the IP address of the things that are being blocked. So, well, we're going to have to roll a truck out and have a guy look at it. Awesome. So you're going to have a guy come out. He's going to put his gear on you know, the, the coax here in my office, and he's going to go, oh, yeah, it's all perfect. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. I know that. The people I spoke to should know that because I told them. The problem is this IP address that is on your network somewhere is throwing my goddamn packets away. And I know this because I can trace route it to that goddamn thing. <laughs> um, you know, 
this is why it comes back. Go back to last week where I said like, if we could replace everyone at Comcast with an AI, I would probably happily never talk to a person at Comcast ever again. You still have the same problem. You at least be happy. Right, but at least with an AI, I can bl- I, I can say that it's being belligerent rather than stupid. Right? No. Truth. If I can, if but, I can double back to that AI conversation, I have now been using Chat GPT to reply to my emails, so I'm, I'm actively uh, replacing myself. We need. To, we'll have to have a like now that you've after this week and all the things we've done, we'll have to have a second episode at some point, and we'll just have to talk about all the bullshit we've done with it. But, oh yeah, yeah no. I got it to write me a poem about graph databases <laughs> and iambic pentameter, and it was amazing. <laughs> we need to work. We need to take these podcasts we do and submit it to it as training material, and say, "Produce me <laughs> a, a new script." This is right. <laughs> Chat GPT is gonna be like, "I give up." I pro- What's the point I, of exactly. it? All? I promise. <laughs> no, I, if we I get forty cru- of these, the fortieth one will just be us reading the script that Chat tells us to do. <laughs> I am truly intrigued to see what Chat GPT does with Budgie Smuggler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it's back. Ah, it we'll finish on that. Yep. But cool. um, so, just really quick to to kind of finish it up is like, what is the upper limit of what we can do with with a satellite based internet protocol because i want to be in the middle of nowhere but if everyone else decides to go in the middle of nowhere too like well where i was going before i fell out was that you know that the 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 leaf nodes the 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 yeah sort of the branches in the leaf right veins in the leaf have more capacity than the main core of that node Mm -hmm. that has more capacity that has less capacity or than all of the the main branches that are hooking back to it and all of these providers sell stuff based on the theory that you know on, on traffic analysis saying that you know less than one percent of our customers will will use one percent of their bandwidth you know 100 percent of the time and so that back channel doesn't that backhaul doesn't need to be an enormously thick set of fibers to provide the throughput. We can cut down on that. The, the, the thing with the Starlink, at least the initial rollout of the individual satellites, is that each one of those individual satellites could easily get swamped. And right. So you would be, be there. Well, that's where their version two came in with the, the concept of having laser links between the individual satellites as a mesh sort of a mesh satellite network. network. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Russ, where they could set, they could, you know, work out that a packet could go to this satellite and be downlinked to a different downlink center through the laser instead of coming from off the satellite and straight back down again to the, the downlink. Um, all of that could be swamped. You're never going to be able to to beat a physical medium. You know, back in back in the seventies or eighties, there was some computer scientist that uh, and I'd have to look up the quote, but he said, "Never underestimate the bandwidth of a station wagon full of magnetic tapes." <laughs> and, and his thing was back then was that they could fill a station wagon with magnetic tapes and drive it across the US, even though it might take five days to get there, in terms of the totality of bits they shifted, 
it was still faster than what they could do over the links at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so watch it. I think what you're going to end up with is a hybrid model of where there'll be more downstations, downlinks needed, and they'll be connected to high bandwidth fiber. Because basically, once you're laying fiber, whether you lay one strand of fiber or 100, mm-hmm. the cost isn't, you know, like the cost to do that isn't terribly much more. Right. You know, the cost of the cable isn't the problem. The cost is the guy with the trenching tool and the permits and the, the refix the road and, right. you know, add move the power pole out of the way and all this sort of stuff. So what you're, what you're seeing is maybe fiber going to certain endpoints and then farming out to mesh networks, essentially, that are providing that ubiquitous access from well, the last think- couple of miles of the expensive part. Well, well, think about it. Like, if you took the entire state of Texas and divided it into 100, you know, and then put a downlink in each one of those squares and then said every satellite, Starlink satellite that crossed Texas, you know, will take a packet and then push it to the closest downlink that it gets. And then it goes back onto fiber. I All I have to do mm-hmm. is deploy a hundred downlink stations. Now, I'm not saying that's not a trivial that's a trivial cost. It, it'll be an ex- exceptionally large cost. Right. But you could imagine doing that. And then now suddenly, well, do I need fiber to my house? Do I need you know, now I'm talking about mm-hmm. all of my communications are basically going through, you know, me and maybe fifty people are talking to the or whatever the number is. The, mm-hmm. the Starlink guys are way smarter than I am. You know, it's Teffy line. And, um, you know, they're going to talk that. that one satellite down to the appropriate link, done. So I, I think yeah. we'll see that hybrid model. Hmm. You know, I yeah, think makes we'll see more downlink. Interesting. Yeah. And, and now we have a new unit of measure for bandwidth, which is station wagons full of magnetic tape. <laughs> Which, with people driving with budgie smugglers <laughs> on because we gotta keep I, that I joke think it on. was also a wood paneled station wagon oh and I, I assumed it was wood paneled I mean <laughs> yeah. I, I was either a station wood paneled station wagon or a wood paneled uh, uh, what do they call them the Chrysler minivan one of those two yeah. <laughs> oh the free candy van ah yeah the free candy van <laughs> only, only my yeah. van has free candy on the side but uh, all right, man. No, that, and that's Russ. If you're wondering, that's why I keep asking him about what happens to all the talent he hires. <laughs> Some of them are still working for me. The other ones, you questions may, to be answered in other podcasts. You may want to take a lidar out to your cabin at some point, Tony. You'd be well, surprised. I, as long as as long as my dogs don't turn up with like a, you know a, a fever bone or a femur or something, you know. I don't really care, you know. Yeah, Wilson will definitely be the one. Yeah, that picks you know, live first. your truth, Rob. True. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. Well, all right, guys. I think we got through another one of these things. I have once again. I almost feel this needs another rip because there are so many things I want to talk about technology, like CDNs with like satellites, all kinds of stuff. But we get through it. Let's let, let's all hang around after we uh, we wrap this up. All right. Uh, just yeah. To, brainstorm network discussion. Totally. You know, uh, with that in mind diagnosis all right guys okay. everyone people thank you so much cheers right. 
Thank you for listening to us, especially you, Mr. New Zealand. I can't believe they keep <laughs> downloading it. They do. It's it's we have one any- person. <laughs> Cheers all. Peace. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty then. I am not sure we learned anything today. Wait, I take that back. Don't drink Foster's beer after the 70s. Don't use Comcast in the Pacific region. And if you can get fiber internet, never move. As the outro narrator, I also want to recommend an honorable mention to this list because I learned something this week. The fact that when I was on my deathbed sick, maybe not quite dying, but you remember the episode. And if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It's episode two. It it was my best work. Anyway, um, I finally learned how to say budgie smugglers. To be fair, I didn't know what that was. So don't hold me accountable. I, whatever. So that's, that's what I learned today. Anyways, bandwidth in the United States, it's a luxury and just don't take that for granted. Okay. See you next week. I'm tired. Cheers. (laughs) 